today on The One Upbeat. We count down the top five best game scores of the year. You'll hear music from Richard Jakes, Motoi Sakuraba, Noboi Uimatsu, and more. We're back and counting down the rest of the best of the year. Last time we did entries 10 through 6 on the list, so if you haven't listened to that first, go do it. There's some killer music in there, and now we do the top 5, starting with this. Let's talk about the game that I thought the most about leading up to making this list. Anyone ever play Marvel's Avengers game? That game was bad. Not all superhero games are bad. Batman Arkham games were good, Insomniac's Spider-Man game was good, but when it was Avengers' turn, I think publisher Square Enix got greedy or something. Crystal Dynamics isn't a bad developer at all, but they probably got the squeeze to do a lot in a short amount of time to get the game out. Fast forward only a year, and Square Enix wants us to buy a Guardians of the Galaxy game. It looked very similar to Avengers, with different likenesses for all of the characters, big, busy third-person action, and so soon after Avengers' bad reception, come on, this time, the game was developed by Eidos Montreal, the studio known for the last 10 years of Deus Ex games, starting with Human Revolution in 2011. The game got a lot less fanfare than Avengers did, with all those lead-ups, special events, behind-the-scenes this, press events that. Maybe Square was a little bashful after how Avengers turned out, but it set expectations really low for Guardians. So then Guardians comes out and people really dug it. Quite a few people were saying they liked this version of the main heroes better than the ones in the movies even. Yeah, the gameplay was a bit repetitive, but not so bad that the narrative couldn't pull it forward. Before I even heard this positive reception to the game, I figured I'd do my due diligence and listen to the soundtrack to the game. Avengers was super boring and generic hero music. I kind of thought Spider-Man was too. It just had that very sterile Hollywood sound to it. It tried to sound super, but with no enthusiasm to it. Wouldn't want to offend anyone after all. So I queued up Guardians of the Galaxy, ready for the same as those other two, and there was just something way more here. Turns out this score was written by the great Richard Jakes. You might remember him from such classics like Headhunter and the Sega Saturn version of Sonic 3D Blast. This guy's a real composer, not just a public defender-esque composer for media. The score is over two hours long, and just when I was ready to get bored, I just wasn't. The best way to describe it, and what I keep thinking about, was that the suits hired for this game, they hired Jakes, who they knew had worked on many games in the past, and he told him to do his thing, write some generic superhero music for our generic Marvel superhero game, and Jakes just isn't capable of doing generic. He's too talented of a composer. So you sort of have that stereotype superhero sound in a way that all hero games have, but the writing is just so much more interesting. So much more intensity, but not the kind that makes you kind of zone out and fall asleep. It really makes you feel something. Overall, I just loved it. It's just more than the sum of its parts, I guess. And that's really what we're looking for here when we're talking about the best of the best. So kudos to Eidos Montreal for hiring a great composer. And kudos to Richard Jakes for the pleasant surprise. The game did win a Best Soundtrack Award in the Steam Awards and was nominated for the same at the Game Awards, but I have a sneaking suspicion that people noticed it for the songs included in this more than the score. The score is the one that deserves it, though. 
Here's music from Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy with music by Richard Jakes.
2021 saw the release of a new main entry in the Monster Hunter series. Monster Hunter Rise released March 26, 2021 on Switch and releases January 12, 2022 for PC. I guess since PlayStation and Xbox got Monster Hunter World in 2018 and Switch didn't, it was Switch's turn for an exclusive. Anyway, Monster Hunter is a fantastic series that took Japan by storm and became a gaming phenomenon. The series picked up some serious steam popularity-wise in the West with World's release. Publisher Capcom has always treated the series well, which includes absolutely fantastic soundtracks for the games. There have also been tons of great arrangement albums over the years, plus a number of orchestra concerts. Monster Hunter is just a great time all around musically. So Monster Hunter Rise being another musical masterpiece was a shoo-in, right? Yeah, and it was. But another Monster Hunter game released in 2021, besides Rise. The sequel to 2017's Monster Hunter Stories also released on Switch and PC on July 9th, 2021. The first game was for 3DS and obviously meant more for a casual player. I always saw it as the game your little brother would play while you played the main series Monster Hunter games. It's a traditional JRPG-style game, very pretty, very charming, and not a lame game at all. It's great in every way an RPG should be. Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin continues the tradition and includes a beautiful orchestral soundtrack with it as well. I first noticed the music for this game when they were getting close to the release of Monster Hunter Rise. As they got close to that release date, they started dipping their toes into the promotion for Stories 2. You know, like a, hey, don't forget about this other game we have coming up while we deep dive into Rise. During the short preview they showed for it, the music instantly hit me with a, like a ton of bricks, and it was beautiful. So the game came out, and it was still beautiful. Yeah, the Rise soundtrack is great, classic, big, masculine Monster Hunter music, but I think Stories 2 is just so much more varied and beautiful. So yeah, nothing against Rise, but Stories wins in my book. I feel like Stories 2 got a little buried by Rise. It was probably inevitable. It's not like it used to be where you could have the console Monster Hunter and a handheld Monster Hunter. Both are on Switch, so they're really competing for the same space. Originally, when I put this segment together, there was no soundtrack whatsoever for Stories 2. There was no trace of the release either. Then, suddenly, on February 16, 2022, the official Monster Hunter Twitter page casually tweets out that the Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin soundtrack is out and it's on Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, and Steam. I was shocked. When you look at VGMDB.com, it says the page for the soundtrack was added November 18, 2021, so maybe I missed the soundtrack when it was announced? I googled and saw nothing about the soundtrack arriving on February 18th. Oh well. All's well that ends well, and such a beautiful game getting a nice two-disc soundtrack release is just such a great thing. I highly encourage you to listen to the whole thing and support it on those streaming services. So let's play some of my favorite tracks from Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin, with music by Marika Suzuki, Masahiro Oki, and Yuho Miyata.
another game I knew had to be on the list when I first heard it, which was only emphasized by all of the articles I read, was Fantasian. These articles, which may or may not have been clickbait, talked about Fantasian being the last score for all-time great music master Nobuo Uematsu. If it's true, it's a hell of a way to go out. Uematsu and Fantasian creator Hironobu Sakaguchi go all the way back to the 80s, ultimately leading to the release of a game called Final Fantasy in 1987, which ascended the duo to legendary status. Fantasian is a call back to Uematsu and Sakaguchi's glory days. It's a really interesting game. It's another Apple arcade game, which further proves the point of Apple being serious about releasing and financing real games for their fairly new service. Fantasian was inspired by Sakaguchi replaying Final Fantasy VI, which is one of the greatest games of all time. I guess he got nostalgic for the glory days. Sakaguchi and Uematsu both made references to Fantasian being their last game. They're both getting older, and in Uematsu's case, his health hasn't been that great for a while now. It's only fitting that they'd produced another JRPG, reliving the height of their careers. It's really sad to think about it that way, but that's how life goes, right? The cool twist with Fantasian is that all the backgrounds, the worlds, are handcrafted models. Sakaguchi was a big fan of miniatures and included some of them in another mobile game he worked on, but wanted to incorporate them into a full JRPG. It makes for a really beautiful effect, and Uematsu writes beautiful music for this world as well. When I was about to listen, I was afraid I'd be tempted to put the game on the list here just because of all those claims of last score, but the more I listened, the more I just found the most beautiful Uematsu soundtrack you can imagine with the variety and strong melody that made Uematsu a household name in the game music in the first place. So we'll see if the stories about this being Uematsu's last score are true, but for now, we have a delightful, long score to enjoy. I haven't had a chance to check out the game itself yet, but I'm really interested now, even being Mr. No RPGs. Let's take a listen to Fantasian, with music by Nobuo Uematsu.
APM Music offers limitless potential for your creative content. No matter the genre or mood, all the music you need is on one platform. And you don't have to worry about licensing. APM's got that covered. Need help finding the perfect track? APM's dedicated music directors can deliver curated options designed specifically for your creative vision. APM's website uses best-in-class search technology, so finding the perfect track is easier than ever. Find your sound at apmmusic.com. Best music ever recorded for video games is here on The One Upbeat with your host, Eric Silver. I don't remember why Tales of Arise caught my notice as soon as it got revealed, but it did. As resident, I don't have no patience for RPGs guy. It's not like I ultimately ended up loving it and playing all the way through, but I'm glad it did stand out enough to check out the music. It was no surprise that the music was done by the legend Motoi Sakuraba. He's done most of the music for the Tales series. Something just felt more deluxe about this game compared to other anime RPGs. RPGs were always the most beautiful games going back to the 16 and 32-bit eras, but in the last 15 or so years, every RPG felt like a budget project. That's not the case with Tales of Arise. The graphics actually look great. The music is even better. Sakuraba said in an interview published on the Bandai Namco YouTube channel that they asked him to compose a more serious tone for the game. He also said, This project features another first, a full-size orchestra. I'd never done this before. You can imagine my excitement. I found this really hard to believe, considering the types of games and the amount of games Sakuraba has been composing during the last 30 years of his game music career. I guess it is true, because so much of what Sakuraba does is this kind of prog rock style and filtered with some real orchestral instruments, but not the whole orchestra by itself. The guy sure knows how to write for orchestra, though. The orchestra tracks are gorgeous, as well as his familiar action battle style music that we've heard a bajillion times from him. He's just one of those composers that you don't get tired of listening to, and he keeps cranking out music like crazy. He also did the newest Mario Golf game in 2021. He just churns out amazing music like it's breathing. Sakuraba's high-intensity action music sounds a lot like what we heard in Bravely Default 2 from Revo. When it comes to the quieter and more beautiful stuff, Revo is a lot simpler. Sakuraba, as you'll hear in a moment, goes full Howard Shore in the opening theme, and especially the field theme. Oh, the field theme. We should just do an episode about overworld themes already. Some of the most wonderful, inspiring stuff accompanies overworlds, and this is no exception. During the same interview about the use of full orchestra, Sakuraba was asked, quote, what is the most memorable song for you? <sighs> we know what they mean. Sakuraba replied, quote, that would have to be the first field theme I ever composed, end quote. What? I'm sure he means first field theme for this game, right? Maybe the translations of that interview leave a lot to be desired, because that can't be right. He points out what he calls the, quote, negative space in the track, where music is deliberately not playing. Not a lot of notes, which is rare for a piece of Sakuraba music. The strange thing is there was a CD release that came with the special editions of the game, and Land of Green, as the theme is titled, wasn't on it. That's Sakuraba's favorite song. It's on the vinyl release that came a couple months later, which is annoying because I wouldn't buy a vinyl release of anything, but they've been putting more music on vinyl first. 
A CD release of what I assume is the full soundtrack releases in March of 2022. It's seven CDs and 133 tracks, so I'd imagine that along with the rest of the score, it'll be on there. Anyway, let's enjoy selections of Motoi Sakuraba's music to Tales of Arise.
So is this it? Are we really already here? Like I said, the list just kind of formed itself. Last year I knew the whole time that Medal of Honor Above and Beyond would be my top choice. It was pretty obvious, but this year I think we just had a strong overall list. My number one game is really obvious in hindsight. It's also a game that came out in February, so everyone's been overlooking it, as expected. But it's such a great game from all corners. I'm talking about Bowser's Fury. It's funny that there's a main series 3D Mario adventure without Mario in the name, but since it's part of the package Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, then the new part by itself, which is standalone, is just Bowser's Fury. Of course the game isn't standalone in terms of buying it. It only comes with the Switch port of 2013's Super Mario 3D World, but the game has no plot connection to 3D World at all. The game takes the best of the gameplay from Super Mario 3D World and the best of Super Mario Odyssey and hybrids it into my favorite 3D Mario since the Galaxy games. I know everyone was completely in love with Super Mario Odyssey and was probably the most excited I was for a game in I don't know how long, but for me, there was just a sort of focus that I thought was missing from the game. That isn't to say it's a bad game whatsoever. It came out less than a year into the Switch's life and is probably in the top three best games on the system. But when you're talking about something this good, you start nitpicking. For example, can I talk about game quality sort of outside of music? Okay. After almost two decades of waiting, a new Metroid adventure released in 2021. It was fantastic. Everything about it, how it controlled, how it looked, how it sounded regarding sound effects was top notch. Most people have it on their Game of the Year list, and it won some awards for mainstream gaming sites as well. Now, you'll also notice that Dread was nowhere on my list here because for best soundtrack of the year, the game just didn't have a good soundtrack. It was a huge bummer. It was buried in the background. It wasn't memorable at all. It didn't really make you feel anything. When a game is as good as Metroid Dread, you can rag on the soundtrack a bit when the game was so close to perfection. So due to that one fact alone, Bowser's Fury is my favorite game of the year. You have two games where they both look beautiful, play beautifully, and are so damn good that something like one of the games having a slightly subpar soundtrack is what makes or breaks greatness. So now, obviously, a soundtrack doesn't carry the game alone, but it's what sets the best apart from the second best. We know lots of games with excellent soundtracks, but that doesn't make the game good. Maybe we'll cover a lot of those one day. What makes the game great is that it surpasses the sum of its parts. Bowser's Fury does that. I don't think there's one negative thing I can say about the game. Oh, but it's too short. No, it's not. It's just right. The game takes a couple of hours to finish with all 100 cat shines, and that's perfect. It's packed with shines to collect and does the open world thing perfectly. There's really not any empty space you're trudging through waiting for something to happen, and lots of places to explore. Each bit of exploration is rewarded with a cat shine. Contrast this to Super Mario Odyssey, where you're often walking through a big open space and you trip over a moon on the ground by accident. That's not exciting. There were how many hundreds of moons in that game? It went a little for quantity over quality. Bowser's Fury went for quality over quantity. Now, the soundtrack. The most hummable score you could imagine. I honestly wasn't even really expecting a new score out of this game. I thought they would just reuse old tunes from maybe Odyssey, 3D World, but nope. It has an all-new soundtrack. I think outside of the introduction, doing a play off of 3D World's opening, nothing sounds like the other games. Oh, and I did, did I mention the premise at all? Mario's walking along and comes across a black M and gets sucked into it. He finds himself on an archipelago called Lake Labcat. 
While there, Mario finds Bowser, but Bowser is gigantic and terrifying. Mario finds out from Bowser Jr. that something's happened to Dad, and he needs Mario's help to calm down his father and turn him back to normal. The plot is only necessary in to mention the most fun part of the music, so you have a lot of tunes that are just sort of a pleasure to listen to. Again, totally original, totally memorable, and I'll add more that are memorable than memorable in Odyssey. I know, but I have to say it. Then the titular fury of Bowser starts, and all hell breaks loose. Bowser becomes sort of like Godzilla and just loses it, blowing fire all over the place, wreaking havoc, and the music complements his chaos appropriately, where it becomes this sort of like metal rock with grunting and chanting. It's wild compared to all the other nice and happy Mario stuff we're used to. All around, the quality of each piece of music and the huge variety, and yeah, I think being associated with such a great experience is why Bowser's Fury is my favorite score of the year. Playing it back in February, I think I suspected it at the time, but yeah, it ended up being true. So let me stop talking and get right into the music. Here's the music from Bowser's Fury, composed by Daisuke Matsuyoka and James Philipson. Thanks for listening. Not a bad year, right? Here's to 2022. There's a lot to look forward to, so let's see if we can surpass 2021. Happy listening.
Thank you for listening to the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers you hear throughout the program, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And wherever you're listening to us today, please take a moment right now to leave us a rating and a review of the podcast. You can get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt at our Tee Public store. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematic sound radio. And don't forget to check us out on the web at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>